Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Sunday Sermon. For more information about Highest Praise Church, upcoming events, and other helpful resources, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. If you haven't gave uh, today, right now be a good time to give. We have three different ways for you to give. Um, well, one of them got to wait because we got boxes in the back back there you can give when you walk out. So if you brought your tithe and offering with you, we have boxes in the back you can give at the doors, the exit ways, and the hallways there. You can drop it right in there. We got envelopes in the front for you. You better give. Um, you can go online um, anytime, highestpracechurch.com, and there's a giving tab on there. You can give to that. Um, you can text, text um, HP Tithe to H4321, and um, yeah, text any amount to 84321. Million is spelled M-I-L-L-I-O-N. <laughs> Thousands of T-H-A-S-N-D-S. Hundreds. Anybody win the lottery? I, I think somebody won the thing. Not at church people play the lottery. I'm not saying that, but I mean... <laughs> You're going to do an honor call right now. But um, anyway, I was just, that's all I asked. So I know how to prepare. Okay, today we're talking about tribulation. <laughs> I, I guess if somebody did, I wouldn't have to ask. It's kind of like the tribulation. If you had to ask, then they didn't do it, right? You would, you would know that'd be the person up here screaming and hollering. Um, Anyway, let me get off of that. We're talking about tribulation. So the tribulation. Uh, we've been talking about the rapture. We've been talking about uh, the, 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 uh, the marriage supper lamb. Just, just different things here in our end time study. It's called preparation is the name of our series. Uh, but we're talking about, we're, we're really taking some time and going through some end time studies. And I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about the tribulation. It's going to be a two-parter. I didn't know it was, but it ended up being it because uh, the way I, I broke it down. And I want to make sure we get it. I want to talk about a tribulation. What I want to talk about, first of all, today, next week, just so you know, just so you expect today, we'll, we'll go through the, um, the seven years of tribulation and what's, and what's going to take place in those, in those seven years. Um, today, I want to talk about tribulation itself and some of the different views in the, in the tribulation within, within the, uh, the body of believers or even within the world, but definitely within the church. Um, and, and maybe answer some questions as, as, as I teach you today. And there's, there, there's five different root, uh, views of, of the rapture. And we, we dealt with that last week. Uh, the word rapture is, is raptus is a Greek word, where, Latin word where it comes from. Uh, but it means to be carried away. But the actual word actually means to be carried off by force. And how many knows that's important to be carried off by force because the enemy is not going to like it. But you know, he don't like anything anyway we do. So, but by force God is coming. And uh, uh, the Bible says, uh, from the beginning, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence, but the violent has been taking it by force. So the church has been forcefully advancing. So everything we do is by force. Uh, I don't know where we get this, uh, this you know, just, just you know, mamby-pamby, melancholy thing within the body of Christ. But the church, the body of Christ, has always been, been by force. And then people always say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, when they say that, they actually mean it's not in the 1611 King James Bible. And that's just not the way. They had their mind so much more on, um, on the actual Greek terminology that they just put words in there. Uh, but it's not because the rapture is not going to take place. So they, they said the word to be called up. And just, just to give you a mindset uh, on where they were thinking, the word demon is not in the 1611 King James Bible. Most of it, the King James people read. And um, so, so people don't have a problem saying that they don't believe in the rapture because it's not in the Bible. Uh, but they do have a problem saying they don't believe in demons because they battle them all the time. And so, um, uh, but the word demon there, they said devils. And so it's just a play on words. So, so that word is true. And so the word rapture, it will, it will happen, as we talked about last week. And so, um, anyway, the first one, let me give you a couple of, uh, a, a couple of views on the, on the tribulation, the five different views. And there's, there's some belief within the, the body of Christ that it's going to be a partial rapture, a partial rapture, that... Um, some Christians are going to go and some are not. Oh, yeah, Pastor, I believe wholeheartedly in, and they teach wholeheartedly in the rapture and the catching away of the saints. It's going to happen, but it's going to be partial. And it's going to be partial because of a second dispensation of grace they teach. And the second dispensation of grace is called um, sanctification, which is a second dispensation of grace, uh, which leads to the progression of the operation of the Holy Spirit into your life. Um, but they believe that people, that, that there's people that's been saved, but then there's people that's been sanctified. I don't want to get into a whole teaching of sanctification, dude. That'd be a whole another 45 minutes. 
but to be, sanctif- to be sanctified means to, to die to something. To be, the word sanctified means to be set apart. And so only the body of believers that are being set apart, set apart from what? Set apart from the sins in which they used to commit, being separated from it or dying to it. Those are the ones going to be taken away. And everybody else, all you did was confess Jesus, your Savior, you got to stay and go through the whole gamut. So good luck. And that's kind of how they, and that's how they teach that. And so um, uh, it, it's kind of easy one to defunct, to be honest with you. And I'm just going to use some scriptures um, today when I kind of give you some stuff here. Um, I, I actually, um, I, I'm going to use Hebrews 10 and, uh, 10 and 17. And it simply says this, And their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. What does that mean? It means that, and I'll, I'll teach this a little bit, a little bit later, that um, it, it's, it's, not through, it's not through sanctification, it's through the blood of Jesus that we are saved. I love the works of the Holy Spirit, and probably after this series we'll go into a, a teaching on the works of the Holy Spirit. And I love the works of the Holy Spirit, and, and sanctification is that work. But nothing any greater ever happened to you than the new birth experience which you experienced through, the, through, the, uh, through your receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and the other one I like to use to defunct this is 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 12. We use 12 and 13, but it basically means, um, it, it basically says that we are one body. We are one body. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of the one body being many, one body, so are we are in Christ. What's it saying? <laughs> We're one body. Now, and God, you know, the, the, the rapture is going to be a lot of horror, but it's not horror to the church. So God's not going to saw us in half. We're one body. So half the body can't go and half the body can't stay. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so it don't take a whole lot of depth in Bible study to, to defunct that one. And so we can mark off the partial rapture. So if one goes, we all go. Amen? All right, the next one is no rapture. This one here kind of, this is, this is a second... Um, second theory some people have about a rapture they believe in it they believe it comes in different forms the second one is, means, says it's, it's, it's the view that the church will become so, so victorious so victorious it's, it's, if we're going to do movements um, it, it's, it's a kingdom now um, which think that really got blew up a lot in the 80s and the 90s it's just, it's just a, it goes through all kinds of different movements which basically says there's going to be no rapture because the church is just going to get stronger and stronger and more powerful and more powerful and that we're going to set the kingdom up right here on earth and have it ready. And then Jesus, all he's going to do is come down and, and take his rightful place at the throne. That would be nice. And that would be fun. It's just not scriptural. And Second Peter 3.13, Paul says this. Paul describes things in the last days. He wrote this 2,000 years ago. Paul describes things in the last days becoming worse and worse and not better and better. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't see a whole lot getting better and better out there in the world. And so we can see that what Paul said was, was very true. And so if there is no rapture, which there is no catching away of the saints, if there's no just forcefully taking away of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, um, up to heaven to be with the Lord, and that's where we have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're to celebrate, and we'll come together, as I taught you uh, a couple of weeks ago. If that's not going to happen, then we need to get, we just need to rip out 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 16 that says, For the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall be raised first, and then those of us which are alive and remain shall be called up together to meet with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, and therefore we should comfort each other with these words. We just had to tear that section out of the Bible. I don't like tearing the sections out of the Bible. I like believing it for exactly what it takes and exactly what it says. And so we see that even though it is great and even though it is, um, we, love, um, we love to hear movements and, and belief systems, you know, like latter-day, the latter-day rain, um, God pouring out His Spirit in the last days. I believe in all that stuff. And I do, I do, I do believe and I am looking and I believe we're in it, um, in an outpouring of this presence of God on the earth today. And I believe that people are getting saved all over the world today, they are. Just because you don't see in America doesn't mean it's not going all over the world. And it, and it, will, it will happen in America. God has not forgot it. I do, I do, do believe that. And the Bible does teach that um, in, in such a form. But it will not get to the point that we will, the church, the body of Christ, 
will subdue the wickedness of this world so that all Jesus has to do is come and take his rightful place because Revelation 19 says he's going to come and he's going to subdue the evils of this world and take care of that. So there will be a rapture. There will be a, 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 something that would take place that Jesus is going to come and he's going to fix everything. And so that's what, that's what that means there. And so we want to um, take the word of God at, at his word. The, the third one, so, if that's a, so, so now we've got a partial rapture, we've got a no rapture. So then the third is a mid-tribulation rapture. I mean, these folks are really a little confused because this one here is that the, the, the church is going to go through half of it. The church is going to go through half. It's the mid-trib. So we're going to go through the first three and a half years, but we're not going to go through the second three and a half years because the second three and a half years, you know, that's when the Antichrist is going to really, not, is when he's going to take his place in the temple and he's going to show himself to be God and things are really going to get real bad. It's going to really get horrible. It's going to be tough and God's not going to let us go through the great tribulation, but we're going to go through the first three and a half years of tribulation. Well, that's false too because uh, in the first three and a half years of tribulation, it's going to be bad as well. I taught you last week, I mean, the four horse of the pockets, we all know about the, the four different colors, the red horse, the, the white horse, the, the pale horse, and the black horse that comes out is famine. I told you if, if, if the Lord were to come back right now where the world population is and the famine that's going to hit this world, you're talking about a famine of with 8 billion people on the earth, that means 2 billion people will be killed uh, because of famines and wars and, and pestilence and things that's going to take place. Um, that's bad. We think the world is crazy right now. It's really going to be crazy. And so thank the Lord. He's not going to let us go through not even the, not even the worst parts, but not even the worst, a little bit less than the worst parts. And so there's, 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 it kind of defunts the whole mid-tribulation um, aspect of the rapture that some of us are going to go, or the church is going through half of it. So, so no, we're not going to be split in half, and no, we're not going to sit here, and we're going to be here in usher in Jesus when he comes back. Remember, we're coming back with him, coming back with him. And then we're not going to um, go through half of it. And so, um, you know, you don't have to worry about that aspect of it. Um, number, number four is the post-tribulation rapture. The post-tribulation rapture, you, it sounds a lot like the no rapture, but it's not because they believe in the post-tribulation rapture. I call that the U-turn rapture because we get called up there and about time we go, hey, everybody, how you going? We'll be right back. We got to go right back to heaven. Um, because they believe in a rapture and then it gets us to Revelation 19, but we got to go through the tribulation. Everything's got to happen. Then Jesus is going to rapture. It's going to drop back down and it's going to happen. Um, um, the the, the, the post-tribulation um, rapture, which, you know, says we're going to go completely through the entire tribulation. Um, John 16 and 33. John 16 and 33 um, says um, that in this world, the second part, these things I've spoken to you, that, it, that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But be a good cheer if I've overcome this world. So people will read a scripture like this. I can take several. We take a scripture like this and say, well, preacher, you're wrong because right there Jesus says in this world you will have tribulation. And so these folks here might be right because we're going to go through tribulation. You have to understand when this word tribulation is used in a non-technical sense and a technical sense. And we all know this when I teach this to you right now because in a technical sense we all go through tribulations. We go through trials. So in a non-technical sense, in the Bible, when the Bible talks about here, Jesus says, you're going to go through tribulation. You're going to go through stuff. You're going to, you're going to go through trials. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be, you're going to be you know, just mocked. You're going to, there are going to be some days living your Christian walk is going to be some of the easiest you've ever done, and some days it's going to be hard. Come on, church. Sometimes it's, it's hard to be a Christian. I mean, you want to be. But man, there's so much temptation, there's so much of it there. And then, and then you go to church, and you're paying your tithes, and you're singing the song, and then, bam, sickness hits your, hits your house. Or bam, you lose your job. And you wonder, why am I paying my tithes, and why am I coming to church, and why is my children out like an idiot, and why is, all, why is my husband, you know, ain't, ain't got any sense, and why is all this happening to me? Because in this world, you will have tribulation. There's a devil loose, and he's out there. And so when we see this and how the Bible says that we are going to go through tribulation, and so the word tribulation here is in a non-technical sense when it deals with what the Bible talks about when it talks about the days of the tribulation. And so, yeah, we're going to go through tribulation, but how do we go over it? How do we get through these tribulations? Through Jesus. He says, in me you will have peace. 
I want you to understand, let me say this about peace. God did not promise peace. Anybody still with me? Shut the doors. <laughs> we were, while we're going through church, he says, these things are spoken to that the enemy you will have peace. This is, he doesn't promise peace. He offers peace. And we're sitting around thinking you deserve peace and God's just going to give it to you. No, he's offering peace. You can have peace. But you got to choose this day who you're going to serve. And you never get peace because you think God's just going to give it to you. No, he's offering it to you. Trust in me. Walk in me. Believe in me. And when everything else, go back what I, what I heard this week. You know, if, if you're not focused on the presence of God, then you're focused on too many other things. You can have peace when you know Jesus in the middle of everything. And so we see this, and we, so we have it. And so, so now when we look at, the, we look at the, the whole technical sense, it refers to the technical sense of this tribulation means a seven years of judgment upon this planet. Seven years. And so this view, the post-tribulation is, is, is like the mid-tribulation view, especially the three and a half years, that it is wrong because, let me give you some more scripture. Let's use one we really know, Romans 8 and 1. Romans 8 and 1 says, now, therefore, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. You know what the word condemnation means? Judgment. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who's he talking about? The church. The saved. We are saved. We are sinners saved by grace. Why are we sinners saved by grace? Because as sinners, we came to the foot of the cross and we were judged. I mean, that's the day you got saved. You come to, you didn't, I know you might have got saved at an altar. You might have got saved, you know, on the phone with somebody or just talking to a friend or at a preacher or whatever. But spiritually speaking, you were at the foot of the cross. And you stood at the foot of the cross, a complete sinner. And God, the righteous judge, looked down at you and said, you're a sinner. You've committed sins. And because the wages of sin is death, death is separation, you need to separate from me. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Yes, he's guilty, and he's been judged guilty, but I paid the price for his sins. I paid the price, which is death and separation from God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What did he do? God turned his back on him. And because of that, he says, they, you, you've, you've already been judged, Christian, and you were judged a sinner. You were judged that you don't deserve anything that God has for you because you're unrighteous. We're sinners. We're born in iniquity and sins. In my mother's womb, we consumed this way. But Jesus came and paid the price for everything that we've ever done. And the fact we were judged and we were found guilty of sin, and right before the judgment came down of, of of death and separation from God, Jesus stepped in and said, if you put, that, you put your trust in me, then you can separate the death and the hell and the grave because I went to the grave for you. So what's your point? My point is, if we've already been judged. And so now Romans says, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we've already been judged. We don't have to be judged again. And the crowd went wild. Thank you, preacher. I feel a lot better now. That's what it means. So why in the world we've already been judged? Why do we have to go through seven years of judgment? It's the people who haven't been judged that's going to go through the condemnation, but those who are in Christ Jesus, who are they? Those who do not walk according to the flesh, but we walk according to the Spirit because our flesh has been crucified because God lives on the inside of us. And so anyway, we don't have to be condemned. We don't have to be judged because we already have been as Christians. We do not go through the judgment or tribulation because our judgment was removed by the blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary. He was judged. The Bible says the iniquity of us all was placed upon him. And we received what he did for us on the cross. And because we received what he did for us on the cross, we place everything we've done and everything we're doing upon him. And he is faithful. He's a faithful judge and he cleanses us. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We don't need to go through personal sufferings. Let me say that again. 
You don't go through personal suffering so you can be cleansed. Personal suffering doesn't come from God. Personal sufferings come because we live in a sinful world. Quit blaming everything on God. I take that personally. He don't need my defense. He can take care of himself. He's a big boy. But people always say this. Well, I have to go through this. I'm going through this so that God can cleanse me, so that God can teach me. Honey, he did everything he was supposed to do for you it, by, by shedding his blood and dying on the cross. He was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. The punishment for your peace was placed upon him, and by his stripes you're healed. Why do you have to go through something to finish something that he's already done? So quit blaming God and hanging your head down and just giving up because you're going through stuff. Pull your bootstraps up and square your shoulders and set your chin and say, Jesus has already paid the price for me. And I got, it's something that, yes, he wants to teach me something. But I'm not going through a personal suffering to be cleansed. Right? So if we don't have to do it on this side of the rapture, we sure don't have to do it on the other side. Well, now the church has got to go through this to humble us, to put us down. Now, the most humbling days of your life is whenever you come to Jesus and realize that you are a sinner and you cannot do this without yourself. And you give your heart and soul to him, and he gets you through that. 1 John uh, 1 and 9. 1 John 1 and 9 says that 1 John 1 and 9, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he's done it. So we don't need anything else. So pre-tribulation pre rapture. Since I've debunked all of those, so what's left? A pre-trib rapture. That before the judgment upon this planet comes down on this sinful world, God's going to take out his church. He's going to remove his body of believers. So Luke 21 and verse 36 Watch and pray always that we may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and that we're able to stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray. I think that's what we're doing now. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10. We wait for God's Son from heaven who raised him from the dead which delivers us from the wrath to come. You know what wrath means there? The anger of God. That's going to come. And he is faithful. And he has he is trust. He, 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 he has delivered us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. He hasn't called us to go through wrath. He hasn't called us to go through. I'll teach you next week the things that's going to go through. The things that's going to go through. I mean... It, Dr. Feelgood, I'm going to say, I'm going to make an announcement. Dr. Feelgood will not be here in the first part of next week's sermon. He just won't. I like him and I appreciate the work he does, but Dr. Feelgood will not be here in the first half. But he's going to, he's going to creep back in at the end. I won't leave you, you know, hanging, but we'll, we'll, we'll be all right. But, but we have to understand there's a lot of things going on. It's the judgments coming upon this earth. It's a judgment's coming upon this earth. And I'll teach you in a second. I'll give you this scripture here because I love this. Revelations 3 and 10. Revelations 3 and 10. And Revelations 3 and 10 says that because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the entire world to try them that dwell upon the earth. There's coming, the Bible says that there's, there's coming a trial that's going to come upon the earth, but because we have kept his commandment and we have preserved through that commandment that he has released us from that. He's talking to the church of Philadelphia, the church of brother love, the one that he has found favor in because they did not lose their first love. And that's who we want to be and that's where we are. And so anyway, we got all these scriptures. I got, I got like eight more I could give you right now. But this is, this, this is what you do when you, when, when you, get, different, when you get different theories, when you, uh, when you get different belief systems, and people start teaching different things concerning. Let me go ahead and say, most of the teachings, a lot of the teaching in the New Testament, outside of, 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 of Revelation, when it was broken down, is found in Paul's writing, and most of the time to the church, to the Thessalonians. 
So many teachings, so many words, we'll look at one here in a second, that Paul shared and taught with the church in the Thessalonian church of Thessalonica. And it's amazing to me when you read it, because it's First and Second Thessalonians, you would think that he spent a whole lot of time there. He didn't. He spent less than two weeks there. In his less than two weeks, the number one subject that he wanted to teach them was end-time prophecy because they were wondering about it and they were questioning it. And so it is important for any, any age in which we live in, any time in which we live in, that we know what's going on in church prophecy. But even Paul back then thought it was important to let this church know about church end-time prophecy. And so a lot of stuff we read here, and I think that we're a lot closer, I know, than they were in, in Paul's day. So here I wanna, here's how I want to end this teaching. I want, to, I want to end it this way as to, um, to, to, under, to understand exactly why a tribulation period. Why? I mean, I got five different views of the rapture, you know, and we, we end up and we, we land a plane here on... Um, on pre-trib, I got friends, I got people I hang out with, I got people I talk to, and, 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 and they believe in one of the other four. It's not a matter of salvation. Well, I believe in mid-trib. I love Jesus with all my heart. Pray to him every single day because I'm going to go through it. Okay, I hate you to feel that way, but I'm going to first load. And I believe you are too. I mean, he knows that just because we're stuck on stupid, God doesn't hold, that, hold us accountable to that. <laughs> Thank Jesus. So it's not, no, so it's, it, it's not, there's some areas that people get into that it is, it is a matter, but just on these five things I taught you here, it's not, there's, I mean, there's so many different other stuff that comes every day. But I want, I want to deal with this. I want to deal in, in on why the end of tribulation period. And I'm going to, I'm going to do it this way. Number one, there's, there's three, there's three things. There's really only three. There's not a, there's not a whole lot. There's three things in, in studying this and, and, and why, why then do, has the church got to be, got to be, forcefully removed from this planet so God can do something. Why? Everything is about the why. And the first one here is to bring Israel to the place where they recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Not particular order, but I'm going to do number one here because I want to end with number three. But number one, so that, you know, we know Israel. Israel is, Israel is God's chosen people. For whatever reason, God chose. Well, I'll tell you why. It's not for whatever reason. God called out Abraham. Abraham was a was Abram was a was a moon worshiping dude who lived in Ur. Want nothing holy about him. Want nothing sanctified about him. Want nothing churchy about him. They worshiped the moon, and God said, "I'm going to choose you." And He called him out. He said, "Come on, I'm going to make you a great nation." So Abraham leaves from the voice of a God he didn't even know and believed that he was going to do something that he's never done. So he started faith before he even knew it. And God told him, he says, Abraham, through you, I'm going to make you a great nation. Everything, as the stars of the sky, we know the story, stars of the sky, the sands of the sea, it's going to be great, it's going to be wonderful. And through you, all the world's going to be blessed. Through what? Through your children. So we know that Abraham, and he said him and his wife, Sarah. And we know the stories. Gee, it, it, God waited too long, like a lot of times we think he often does. And so we try to fix it like we often do. And then we make a complete mess out of it, as we often do. And they had an Ishmael. And God says, no, no, no. Because it's through you and Sarah, not you and Hagar. And so they waited, and then God gave him Isaac. And then through Isaac, he had Jacob, which his name is changed to Israel. And, it, and the lineage goes through there. So it's a promise that God made to Abraham and Sarah, not Abraham and Hagar. And, of course, we know, in case you don't know, that that, that child Ishmael is the, is, the, is, the, is the Muslim. And so it has been a thorn and always will be until Jesus comes back. So my point is, is that for that reason, God chose also this nation of Israel that through the loins of this seed here, my son will come. Not through Ishmael, not through anybody else, but through here. He's just chosen. He can do that. He's God. And the whole world will know my name, Jehovah, Elohim, through you. He chose them. That the whole world is going to know who God is through this nation of Israel. And through this nation of Israel, which it did, my son, Messiah. And they will know the Messiah. When the Messiah came and they rejected him. 
And so God has not turned the whole, boy, come, keep coming on Wednesday nights. One night we're going to do the 70th week of Daniel, and there's a whole 70th week there. It's where God, God has dealt with the nation of Israel for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But the church, the church age is a, so far as a 2,000-year age where God has, so to speak, has turned his attention from Israel and to the church, the Gentiles. And he's dealing with us. And every, all the blessings supposed to be keeping on Israel is now coming upon us, the church. And so whenever he gets done with the church, the church age is over. He's going to call us up, and then he's going to turn back and focus back on Israel and finish what he started. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? So the whole seven years is the focus on the people of Israel. And whenever he comes, and the Bible says that he will come. Let me give you a scripture. Matthew 23 and verse 39. Jesus says, Jerusalem, you shall not see me no more until the day you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When's that going to happen? Revelation 19. He prophesied that. He said, I know you don't accept me right now. And you have your hands on along with the Romans and every other sinner in this world taking me to this cross. But, and I know you don't bow down and worship me as Messiah, but I'm here to tell you there's coming a day. You're going to look at me. You're going to say, blessed is he, Jesus, who comes in the name of the Lord. It's not going to happen before tribulation. It's not going to happen during tribulation. It's going to happen at the end of tribulation. Because that's what God's purpose is. That's number one. Oh, i got to hurry up. Number two, to judge the wicked. God says God will forgive the sinner, but will by no means clear the guilty. How many knows a world today that has completely rejected God? Rejected his son Jesus Christ and has denied the presence of God. And because of that, they, they love their sin. They, they, love their, their self, they love their flesh. They, they love everything, they, their self-indulgement. And, be, and they turn that back on God. And because of that, judgment will come. Why would judgment come upon us? Judgment is supposed to come upon every, every person that's been born into this world. Because as Christians, we've already been judged. We've been found guilty. And Jesus is the price paid for my guilt. These people rejected Jesus. So here's the third one. To persuade more people to come to Jesus for salvation. To persuade. Revelation chapter number 7, verse 14. Revelation 7, verse 14. The last one is to persuade more people to come to Jesus. And Revelation chapter number 4 and verse number 17 says, And Jesus said to sir, he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It was what they saw in the, in, the, in, the, in the things to come. And John said when he saw this, he said, who are these people? These are the people who came out of the great tribulation. So what's the point? What, what, what's he saying? What's he saying here, preacher? What's he saying? These are people who missed the rapture and was here all the way through tribulation. And because they knew not to take the mark of the base, they knew not to bow down and worship the, the, the Antichrist, and they knew that to cry out upon God that when at the end of tribulation and the Jews are crying out for God and he comes down on the white horse in Revelation 19, that they, they too, along with the Jews, are going to cry out, Behold, you are, you're the Lord. And, and, and God's going to take them and he's going to wash them. He's going to cleanse them and they're going to make it. The Bible also says in, in Acts chapter number 2, verse 21, Whosoever called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to start playing until I say something. Um, Whosoever called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many know that during tribulation you cannot call on the name of the Lord without the Holy Spirit? Acts 2 and 21 is spoken after it describes tribulation on this world. But then it says, but whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Seven years before that, the church has been taken out of the way. Or at the very beginning of tribulation, the church has been taken out of the way. A lot of people think when the church is taken out of the way, but the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way too because the Holy Spirit is in, is in the church. But let me just handle that this way. The Holy Spirit would not be taken out of the way, but would be, well, let me put it this way. The Holy Spirit would not be removed. The Holy Spirit would be taken out of the way. There's a big difference there between the Holy Spirit of God being removed and just taken out of the way. It's still there. He's just out of the way. 
You know the reason, you know the reason why the Antichrist can't show up and all hell can't break loose on earth today right now? Because the Holy Spirit is in the way. He's in the way in the form of us. He's in us. But even when he takes us out of the way, the Holy Spirit will not be removed. He'll just be out of the way. He'll say, have them. And so people will be, people will be saved. And the reason why I brought that up is, is because it's very important. Because the first thing I always hear in 30 years of teaching this is like, whew. So you say if I miss it, I still got a chance. Well, if you wanted a chance after you miss the rapture, you shouldn't have showed up today. You shouldn't have tuned in today. So let me finish with this. And this is why I want to quiet because this is getting ready to get deep. <laughs> Quick. Real quickly, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The Lord will, Revelation 19, as long as the coming, God's going to take care of him. Verse 9. But the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. Deception means rejected truth. When deceptions come upon a world like it is right now, or a nation, or a people, that means that we have rejected the truth. So this... Verse 10, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not, here it is, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. What I'm offering you here today is the love of the truth. And if you don't accept the gospel, which is good news, if you don't accept the love of the truth, then you receive deception or you are deceived because you reject the truth. And those who receive deception or accept deception, verse 11 says, And for this reason God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. The word delusion there, before I deal with that, let me give you the word deluded. People that reject the truth becomes deluded. The word deluded, the word deluded, I just looked it up and came, came up with my own, um, my own definition based on, on, my, on my studies, means something that is not true. Delusions bring people who reject the truth, and so if you, if you reject the truth, you believe something that is not true. And whenever you become deluded, you become delusional. And the Bible says that during the tribulation period, because you sit in a church today, because you tune in one time too many, because after the pastor quit playing games and started getting serious about the church surviving, they begin to speak the truth, and you have an opportunity, you have a choice to choose you this day who you're going to serve. You can either accept the truth or you can be delusional and believe the lie. People believe the lie because they want the lie. Reason why America is heading down a slippery slope in the very hour in which we live in it, and the reason why they believe the lie is because they want the lie. They want sin, they love sin, they want a lifestyle, they love the lifestyle. They do not want to fall under the, the faithfulness of God. They want to do things. There's a way the Bible says it seems right to man. The end thereof, though, is destruction. And because they have rejected the truth, the Bible says they're going to believe a lie. That's your translation in my book is, is they're going to want the lie. And God 
the Bible. I'm reading this out of the Bible, not out of a handbook. And God, for this reason, because they rejected the truth, because they were deluded, even though they had a chance to be saved. You see that last one in verse 10? You have a chance to be saved. And for this reason, those who said, well, I'll just give it my best shot because I still want to do things my own way. I want to live the way I want to live. I want to act the way I want to act the like. I'm not ready to submit myself to Jesus. I'll just give my, I hear what you're saying, preacher, and I understand it. I'll just roll my dice in a tribulation because I think I can make it. Because you have rejected the truth, that means you believe the lie and and because you believe the lie, God's going to allow a strong delusion to come your way. And you will not even know the truth because you have rejected the truth. And for this reason, let me put it this way. To be deluded is your sin. And you're deluded because you're deceived and you say, I don't want the truth which means I'm not a sinner and I need a Savior. But the fact that you received the truth, that means you are a sinner and you need a Savior. This delusion is the punishment for your sin. This strong delusion here is the punishment for the sin that you do not receive the truth today. The word delusion here is a belief or impression that is firmly maintained despite being contradicted by what is generally accepted as reality and rational arguments. I mean, you can see it. You know you need, you need a Savior in His name is Jesus. But you are so impressed and your belief is so firmly maintained that it cannot be changed. And that's why people sit in Sunday after Sunday, and churches preach Sunday after Sunday, and we reject the truth, we tiptoe around the truth, and we don't want to hold people accountable for it. But I'm here to tell you today, that's the reason why God is raising up preachers, and God has allowed churches to stay in here today, because there's not going to be another chance. Within well, who's going to be saved? Let me tell you something. God has put a lot of his eggs in the baskets of the church, but we're not going to do everything that we're supposed to do. There's people out there in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions, that the church will not get to that the gospel will not ever be preached to. And for them, somehow or another, during all this tribulation, God's going to get the gospel to them. But for all Americans and people who can go online or can come to a padded pew or can any way you want to accept the gospel and don't, I'm here to tell you because it's probably never been told to you before, you're rejecting the truth. And if rejecting the truth, that means you believe a lie. And if you believe a lie, that means you want the lie. And if you want the lie, God's going to let you have it. Now, everybody stand. It's quiet in this Methodist church, but that's the way I want it. That, my friend, is the gospel. To see a world that's just, why would people just believe in this charismatic antichrist figure? Well, the word anti will deal with this. doesn't mean some crazy to just messed up. It means instead of Christ. Why would people choose someone instead of Christ? Because they won't do. Why does men want to be women now? Why does women want to be men? Why do people want more than one husband? Why do people want to abort babies? Why do people just want to reject the things of God? Because they want the lie. First Corinthians 6. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But such were some of us. But we've been washed. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about us. Remember the day, guys, we just believed the lie? And because you believed the lie, you wanted the lie. And God let you have the lie. And under a dispensation of grace, once you're done with the lie and lie doesn't everything you're going to do to it, he pulls you back out and say, now how about Jesus? But let me tell you something. The church age is coming to an end. And with it is a dispensation of grace. What is that? 
that means you get what you don't deserve. All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And the payment for that sin is death. But thanks be to God who sent His Son Jesus to pay the price so that I don't have to go through it. If you reject the truth today, you're going to live for the lie forever. Did you really think it's come down to this? With all my heart. With all my soul. If I didn't, I'd go answer one of these help morning ads up and down the street. So I'm, I'm just teach me how to do it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. promise no man today is a day of salvation our good friend our good bishop Tony Mither preached one of the most powerful messages and I, I, I got heaping heavens of them last Sunday talking about Samuel hearing the voice of God and when he heard the voice of God he ran to Eli because the voice of God is oftentimes attached to the spiritual authority which he has placed over you. Eli, was that you? No, that was the Lord. You need to go back and see what he says. What's your point bringing that up? Well, that was a great word, number one. It was the last sermon that he preached. He went to be the Lord this week while working in his church. I don't care if you're a pastor of a church. I don't care if this is the first time that gospel's ever been given to you this way. I don't care if you've been in church your whole life you've never heard it presented this way because as a church all we want to do is just pad the pews and see how many lights we can get and how many tens of thousands we can get to watch our views and so we're trying to figure out how to how to make all that grow and we're forgetting that the spirit of the Lord will not always dwell with man you cannot be saved without him he'll never be removed the Holy Spirit of God will never be removed, but He will be taken out of the way from your life. Oh, what a bad day when the presence of God is, is taken out of the way of your life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever experience that day. I don't ever want Him taken out of my way. I want Him in my way. I want Him talking to me. I want Him walking with me. I want Him making decisions with me. I want to be able to call on him anytime I need to. I know he's going to answer. He's always going to be there. Oh, in this world, you will have tribulations, trials, and struggles. But thanks be to God, we can have peace. But when the tribulation comes, you're on your own. So I'm sure you can find a book. You can probably go to another church and find another preacher who's going to say, forget what Lancaster said. He's a nut. And I told you not to go over there and all that kind of stuff. But I'm here to tell you I'm preaching Bible. Choose you this day. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord right now. So we head about every eye close. You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Hands are already going up. Just throw it up right now. Just signify it. Come on, they're going up all over this place. Jesus, I, I don't want to believe the lie anymore. I don't want to live the lie. I don't want to live for the lie. I just, I just trust you, Jesus. Hands going up all over this place. Well, you know, I've thought about this a lot. You know why I know that so good? I made that deal with God so many times. I was brought up in the Pentecost to hold the church. I mean, one week Jesus is coming back. Next week you're going to hell. I mean, either you're going to hell or you get lost. You're going to miss the rapture if you ain't right. So one week I went to the article, I didn't want to go to hell. Next way I went to the article, I didn't want to get lost. Forget the rapture. Then I realized, won't you just start living right, man? <laughs> I want you to accept it. I remember sitting there and saying, man, I got too good of a week to plan. So Jesus comes back. I believe I'm going to find me a cave somewhere. I'm going to hide out for seven years. I did I started reading this book and I said I will not believe a lie because I don't want the lie I want the truth and I'm here to tell you as your pastor I will not give you the lie I won't give you my opinion when I do I'll say this is my opinion but I will open up this book 
and as the Holy Spirit being my wisdom and being my guide, I will tell you what thus saith the Lord, and then you can decide what you're going to do with it. So hands already gone up. Before I say this prayer, I want, I want Christians right now, if you'll help me get the, get the truth out for people so that they won't have to live the life, will you raise your hand because we've got a lot of work to do. Will you help me? Come on, can we be the hands? Can we be the feet? Can we be the voice of Jesus? We can't just sit back and say the world is going crazy. Jesus is coming back. If he's coming back soon and he is, that means we got a lot of work to do. That means that God has opened up great. Where sin does abound, that much more than his grace does abound. If sin is coming up higher and higher, then I want you to know that grace will not be outdone. His grace is being poured out with heaping heaven today. Get ready to see family members that you never thought would come to the cross. Get ready to see that friend that you thought would never ever speak to you again because you started going to that church. I'm here to tell you, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming because the grace of God, the delusion has not come yet, but God is sending forth His Spirit like never before to rest upon ears who wants to hear the truth. And truth is speaking. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I accept you today as the price paid for my sins. I'm a sinner and I've committed sins. But today, Lord, I receive the truth that you are my Savior and I will live for you forever as you show me how. Now, Jesus, I belong to one body, the body of Christ. So from this day forward, you can trust me. You can use me to get your word, to get your gospel, to get your good news to as many as you allow me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this sermon from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate by texting any amount to 84321 or visiting our website, highestpraisechurch.com. If you want to connect with our local church and stay up to date with events, you can fill out a digital connect card, which is also on our website. We'll see you soon.